Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, depending when you're watching. Thank you so much for joining us in this episode of Material Business. And it's the last one for 2022, so it's very special. Merry Christmas to everyone that celebrates Christmas. And I have the pleasure of having tonight, or today actually, Lisa and Lauren. And thank you, you guys, so much for accepting being here and then sharing your experiences and uh, and all these beautiful things that we've learned in our lives and in our work environments and then in our own environments and then how this makes us who we are today. Thanks for having us. Cool, perfect. So it's the first time we have a panel and I think it will be super awesome. Uh, I'll go ahead and introduce Lauren. So Lauren is an asset integrity engineer who's been working at Suncor Energy since graduating from University of Waterloo in 2011. Lauren spent five years in the mine maintenance and reliability team, establishing mobile equipment asset strategies for the Fort Hills mine before moving to the fixed plant site, managing the inaugural corrosion surveys. Since 2022, she's been managing the Mackay River in situ corrosion survey. Born and raised in Alberta, <laughs> Lauren resides in Calgary, but has a passion for travel and engaging in different communities from there around the world and volunteering with local, local animal rescues. Thank you for coming, Lauren. Thanks. <laughs> Lisa, on her side, is the co-founder, president, CEO, brewmaster, and everything in between for the Jill, oh, actually, Jill, all the things that need doing at Hoptown Brewing in Ocotox, Alberta. As a mom of two, a stepmom of two, more of two more, and a wife to her husband, Mark, Lisa wears a lot of hats, and she wouldn't have it any other way. Educated in chemical engineering technology, Lisa spent the first 20 years of her career in oil and gas and pipeline integrity as a specialist, which simply means she arduously helped clients protect their pipelines from failing. In 2015, Lisa found a new calling alongside her husband, Mark, and started working on opening a hub town brewing, a small town brewery with big fat ideas and an amazing community surrounding them. With this, with this, she became certified in the intensive brewing science and engineering program with the American Brewers Guild in Vermont and continues to be the brewmaster in Hoptown, carefully crafting all of the beers on site and is humbled by the multiple awards received for that beer the newest award to be announced in less than one week. Ooh, that gave us a lot of excitement and things to look for. Lisa is also the voice at the end of every Hoptown social media and marketing campaign and was highly honored when her marketing style was described in detail in the entirety of the chapter 13 of a Canadian university textbook, sixth Canadian edition of marketing the core and looks forward to being part of the next edition very soon. Lisa feels she owes his success to her community that guided her to ask the right questions at the right times because as she always said, I had no idea that I was doing. I just listened 
and respond without an agenda, and it was well received. Well, what an amazing description. Thank you, Lisa, for coming. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Well, without further ado, let's go with the questions. We want to talk and we want to close this year talking a little bit different. Uh, and then these segments that we have been having on women and specifically designed for women, um, I find this one very special because we want to talk about finding your voice and then how you don't get lost or if you get lost, because we do get lost. How do we find again uh, that inner voice? How do we uh, follow our passions? And then who who better to be here than both of you ladies? So if I may ask Lauren, how will you define finding your voice? And how did that help you on your day to day? At work, in general, in life? Tell us about it. <clears throat> So for me, I feel like I've been working on finding my voice for a very long time, like 10, 15 years. So how I define it today is probably how I wouldn't have defined it 10 years ago and probably how I won't define it in 10 years from now, but I'll still be working on finding my voice. Um, so for me, the, today's definition anyways, um, I think of it as um, reducing your external inputs for your voice and really relying on your internal inputs. Um, so, so one of the things that I was doing when I first uh, went into industry is that I would um, try to use these proxies to kind of tell me what success looked like, um, what like a management style success looked like, what a successful, um, you know, just what a successful human kind of looked like. And and I was always using external inputs, like whether I was in my workspace or my home space and how that kind of um, sort of surfaced is I'd end up with a kind of a fractal voice, depending on like if I was talking to my parents or my colleagues or my boyfriend or my friends, I would be picking up on these external inputs from them in that space that was kind of defined as success and not really using my own internal voice. And as I've been going through this journey, I've been using more and more my internal voice in situations. And instead of having a fractal voice, I've got more of a unified voice. But it it, it is kind of hard because um, you're kind of like bucking the trend and, and you're choosing what you think is important and you're being confident and vulnerable in that situation and relying on your internal inputs. And uh, for me, that's how I define finding your voice is is having that that confidence and vulnerability to to rely on on on, on yourself and it you know it, it can be hard it can be have a cumulative effect of being a little bit draining but i think it's n entirely worthwhile and, and the journey i've been on i think has shown that <laughs> excellent well thank you for sharing that with us Lisa, let me ask you then this. When you moved out of the technical, you know, pipelines and don't leak your pipeline, don't 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 do that, <laughs> Mr. Operator. <laughs> to you know the brewery completely unknown, different 
what was that motivation and what kept you like going because um must have been different like obviously different from what we define as the comfort zone so it is very interesting to find that uh, motivation and then what was that really push you through through that uh, through that moment well yeah, it was a it was a real huge switch, especially when I didn't even like beer when I started the path. So um, what what kind of got me down the path? There was a few things that happened. And one was I knew I was an entrepreneur through and through. Um, and I think I started to identify that when I was in pipelines and I was trying to come up with ideas on how to do things differently and that that doing things differently is not well received in an industry that's well established. So, you know, that inability to, to express myself and say, hey, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Um, was it's tough on a person who has that in their brain every single day. So I knew I was an entrepreneur at heart. I knew I needed to be creative and I needed to get out of the, the box. But I also knew I had to control my destiny as well. So oil and gas is a, is a volatile industry. And we've been through many ups and downs since I entered my career in 2000. And um, I think we were, I was done with worrying about getting laid off. You know, it was a, it was a, uh, it was a hard thing to con be concerned about all the time with four kids at home and a, and a husband who was also in oil and gas. So um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was a lot of motivation to move in that direction. Uh, one of the things I realized though, was once I, learned that beer could actually taste good. Um, I became wildly passionate about brewing it, understanding it, creating it for people like myself who thought that beer wasn't a good thing. And that passion forces you to keep moving forward. Thank you. So it sounded was a, a really, it wasn't really, uh, um, passionate at the beginning, but you found the passion as you were going along the way. Yep, that's exactly. I mean, I didn't, like I say, I, I knew I was an entrepreneur and I knew that I needed to do something that could get my creative juices flowing. I had no idea it would be beer. That's so good. It's so great. Perfect. So, okay, now that we are uh, we are here, perhaps one of the, the questions that I really like to ask all the time is what would you tell your a younger version of yourself? Like Lisa, 15 years ago, Lauren, maybe she's younger than us, so perhaps <laughs> 10 years ago. <laughs> what would you say to yourself? Like, what is that message that um, it would have been nice to Lisa from the future comes and tells you, or Lauren from the future comes and tells you at that time. Who do you want to go first? <laughs> you, can go. you can go. Okay. Well, I think um, one of the, the best pieces of advice I'd give myself is be okay with redefining your path. It's really not a big deal. So, and understand that everything that you've done is getting you to where you go. I had no idea chemical engineering would lead me to, to being a, a science nerd that creates beer recipes, but why would I know that, right? 
who knew that I would work in industry in oil and gas as a production inspector early on in my career and then turn that into being able to understand the equipment that I'm using in my brewery. So I would say, yeah, don't be afraid to redefine your path and don't give up. Whatever it is that you've got your goal, your mind set on, run with it. It, it pays off. Lauren. Oh, so if, if I had an opportunity to tell my younger self something, I would probably tell her to be mindful of the lessons you learn uh, as you're going through life. And I wanted to anchor this in an anecdote because this is, a, I, I spent a lot of time trying to unlearn this particular lesson that I learned. Um, so I started working in industry doing shift work when I was in my early 20s and uh, um, having a, a dynamic and passionate conversation with one of my, uh, I guess he would have been a co-worker because we were at camp. And I don't, we were having a really good conversation about Calgary's Comic Expo and Dragon Con, like just both of us big nerds wanting to know what we thought of the other's experience. And when we turned away from that conversation, um, my proxy for leadership um, and a bunch of my other co-workers were there and, and I remember being told, um, gosh, Lauren, don't be that person. And I was like, oh, well, he must have misunderstood, you know, this person's married. And then it turned on me and it was like, well, even worse, like, don't be a homewrecker. And I was like, oh, OK. And I was put on my heels a little bit. And the, and the reason I really wanted to highlight this particular situation was because I learned a, long, a wrong lesson or what I would say was a, a wrong lesson. And I think this particular situation is more pervasive than, than maybe we give credit for because I was reading a book or a graphic novel written by Kate Beaton called Ducks Two Years in the Oil Sands. And it's a memoir. And this author went through the exact same experience with different sort of different variables, but the exact same thing. And I started thinking, man, I wonder what lesson she learned, because I know what the lesson I learned was, oh, OK, so the rules that exist at in the office are the same that exist at camp. And those rules are really defined and perception is king. So you start to realize, oh, maybe I don't exhibit so much passion. Maybe I don't exhibit so much um, verboseness or flareness. Got to keep it, keep it real, keep it straight. Um, so we took away from that that event, like not not the lesson I would learn today, which is like, oh, mind your own beeswax or like, you know, so and so's probably having a bad day. Instead, it really impacted my authentic voice. And I really kind of like internalized a whole bunch of stuff from that moment forward. And if I had the opportunity to talk to my younger self, I would say, don't learn that lesson. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. It is for sure we all have had moments like that and that's why we are dedicating that segment only to women <laughs> because it is like the statistics are really um, discouraging and I don't want to sound um, very dramatic although well yeah I, I it's it, it is reality it is the numbers don't lie and then the uh, development goals that were set by the UN set equality or equality and gender you know equality and all those beautiful things as 
the goal number five. But then in reality, we are pretty much depending on where we take those statistics from anywhere between 40 years to 240 years uh, on, on gap, only on that side, uh, let alone all the other things that come along those sides, like you know, salary uh, equivalences and uh, harassment in the in the workplace and many other things. So this is exactly why uh, I, I wanted to have this segment. And then just as Lisa said, I would have not been able to have it. Would I have to ask permissions to someone uh, to have these conversations? Because normally then you'll have to have uh, approval and they don't like uh, the voices we raise. And um, so it is It is very interesting that you raised that point. Thank you so much, Lauren, because this is what we want to talk real, right? Things that yeah. people don't talk and they get talked in in parties or in our houses or I talk to you and you tell me, but it is it is good that we have that out or there. And then, we don't even talk at all. Yeah. Yeah. At all. And one of the things I found to be so moving or so a kind of um, impactful to me was that uh, the, the author's experience in mine had a lot of parallels and in the actual experience, but the situation, the workplace, the the job, the everything else was completely different. And I was like, oh, well, that's the thing that kind of struck me. And I was like, if this happened to me in this space and this person in this space, you're thinking, oh, man, this probably happens to a lot of people. It does. It does. Yeah, I remember being in school in, you know, metallurgical engineering, and then there were two females, myself and another one in the classroom, and then my, my teacher, came into the classroom and he said, oh, you ladies should have been in the other block. That's where the cooking classes are. Oh, <laughs> yes. Honest, like, <laughs> honest to God, he said that to me. And I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah right from are. the start, right? Not even out of a school and you already are said it. Yeah, there's or, like an invisible yeah, there's like invisible. <laughs> I think our generation has gone through a whole heck of a lot more than the next generations will go through, though. I think our daughters will see huge improvements. I'm hoping so. I think back to one of my my very first job out of college and being told that I wasn't going to get trained because I was probably just going to get pregnant and uh, and leave anyway. So they may as well just wait until another guy come along. <laughs> yeah. So those days hopefully are over for our kids anyway, for our daughters. Yeah, and when you're young and impressionable and just entering the workforce, those messages have a lot more power than I think we give credit. Um, yeah. They do, they do. And then they keep, like you said, they, they are in the back of our minds and then they start to shape how you react and then Mm -hmm. it, it I is being passionate it you know for five years I didn't exhibit a whole lot of passion towards things because you know that was considered almost taboo so it's really stifling we should be okay to talk about the literature we're reading the the comic books or the the movie fandoms that we found exciting you know one of the things I'd say, though, too, if you really if you really sum it all up, I think when I look back at my experience, having, you know, someone say that to me and and my coworkers decide they weren't going to train me. I remember 
the grit that it took to figure out what I was doing. And a lot of the things, as much as I, I, it should never have happened that way. I know I am the way I am and it's hard working and, and not giving up because I learned to figure it out myself. So there's some benefits that come from some of these things as well. But from one, one of the things that, that I think is, is you're probably quite exceptional based on what Monica has told me. And I, I worry that if the, if success requires only exceptional women, we're setting everyone else for for failure. Because it, it, for me, it takes a whole lot of determination and and commitment to overcome some of these wrong lessons. Um, and that's pretty that's draining, right? So I wish that in the next generation, in the younger ones, that success doesn't require us to be super women. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to try to live up to that. So anyone that is young and is listening to us, if you get said any of those things, reach out and we'll tell you how to deal with that because it's absolutely not acceptable. And then you shouldn't have to deal with things like that. And it is absolutely your right to study a male-dominated industry career and succeed at it and I bet you will be really good at it. Perfect so let's go to the next one. Um, if there is one thing that you would have liked to approach in a different way in your technical or lower leadership roles perhaps I don't know salary negotiation conditions of work what would that be? like in, in your past um, experiences? Maybe Lauren can go first. Um, so if there is one thing I would like to approach differently, um, it would be, I, I often did, I, I would often not speak up. So what I would do differently is speak up when a boundary has been crossed um, or pushed. Uh, and I'd also like to use an example because I think it tethers it and away from the, the uh, you know, more into the reality, I guess. Uh, so when I was a young engineer starting out in industry, uh, I had this experience where we brought a subject matter expert in from Texas to teach us this new software. And he would pull my ponytail all the time. Um, I don't really know why I, I think it was he was kind of just an older gentleman so I don't really um, assign any maliciousness to it but he'd pull my ponytail <laughs> and at dinner and at lunch I'd say to my colleagues like oh my god so and so's pulling my ponytail I can't believe this like really not doing a good job articulating how my boundary was crossed like I'm a, a budding professional engineer and my hair's being pulled like I'm five. <laughs> so I remember I had this issue for a while. I'm talking probably the whole shift, like five days or something. And my boss said to me, and he said, like, objectively, he had really good advice. He said, um, if it bothers you, let's do something about it. But if it's not going, but if, if you're not going to do anything about it, you have to let it go. And I was like, oh, okay, like that I think alone is pretty good advice, but I just spent a period of time having my colleagues tell me that, well, you're overreacting, this isn't important. 
um, like it doesn't matter. So my solution was just to wait it out. And I think a lot of us do this where we wait for that toxic environment to just finish and then we can move on. Um, for me, gratefully, it was just something pretty minor. Hair pulling, it's not that big of a deal. It's infantilizing, but it's not, it's not like really detrimental. Um, for, so the what I would do differently is when presented with that question, uh, what do you want to do? do you, if you want to do something about it, we'll do something about it. I would I would do it differently. I would actually say like, yes, this really bothers me. This is unprofessional. This isn't the workplace I want to try and develop as a woman, as an engineer in. Um, instead, I just kind of waited for them to leave. Um, so yeah, I, I would do that differently. <laughs> I should have known after two years on Zoom, right? <laughs> Very good. Thank you for sharing, Lauren. Lisa? Um, you know, I guess when I look at, at the whole, you know, advocating for myself, like you were asking, maybe in salary negotiation, negotiation conditions of work, that sort of thing, I don't think I've had a whole lot of trouble advocating on my own behalf. So I think I've... Uh, somehow, even throughout some of the, the biggest challenges of working in a non-traditional industry um, have thrown at me, I think I still somehow found my value in those in those places and and negotiated in a way that I thought was was fair. Um, when I look at what I'd like to do, what I like would have liked to do differently as a leader since I've been in my new business, you know, since I've been essentially the boss of, you know, 17 people who come from all different generations and different backgrounds is I wish I would have learned uh, or took a little more time to understand these different generations before I tried to be a motivational leader toward them. It's, uh, there's nothing more difficult than trying to motivate people from different generations when you think they should all behave like you behave. Um, unfortunately, that isn't the case. So that was really one of the the big uh, stepping stones that I've had since I've been in this world now is trying to find that that balance of of being a solid leader, but motivational, not too soft, not too hard. It, I think that that would have been uh, something I'd like to have approached differently, maybe starting with a little more experience in working with different generations. That's very interesting what you raise. So is I, I'm I'm guessing there is um, dif different values and different ways to approach things and uh, a whole lot of learning and like you have to adapt um, being the leader on who you're talking to and how they take the messages from you and um, and I really yeah that's exactly oh sorry I just wanted to say I really loved what you said about advocating for yourself because I think. So few of us do that or, or know what that looks like that, um, you know, maybe if I were to enter your workforce, I might be using you as a proxy for for leadership type thing. Right. And it's nice to see far more representation in that space, even though I, I you know, finding your voice is being more internal, but it, it it's a lot easier to to navigate when you're new to to a workspace when there's someone a little bit closer to you representing. <laughs> 
what you're looking for. And I think that the, because there is not so many of us uh, in this industry, specifically in oil and gas and then integrity and corrosion, uh, it makes it really sometimes very lonely because you don't have anywhere to turn to get that model or who do I talk to that would have been through my path that could tell me something like is is fair that they are only giving me I don't know two weeks vacation well everyone else is getting five uh, is it fair that I only have this amount of salary knowing that other people perhaps are are in a bigger range or or something like that so it is it becomes um again one of those things and then you ask yourself is this really uh, is this really something that i should be asking or is this going to be seen as oh you know it's she's just being a, a girl today and you know, it's, it's one of those things that you need to go through. So finding your voice is also not only finding it, but getting the courage to express it and to say, this is not what I am worth. And then knowing what you're worth really gives you no place for for negotiation. Because you're not on sale, you're not, it's not discount. This is my worth, right? <laughs> so it, it really is that um, capability. So it takes, it takes, um, takes a little, a little more courage to do that. So now that we have gone through experiences and, and then um, your personal views on things, what do you think we should do as leaders as individuals as women as men to help younger generations like you said lisa like i i hope the next one is is better i hope they like the grandkids are better like what is that how do we like and there there was someone told me one time that it is just how do you extend the ladder not only climb but how do you extend the ladder so other people can climb as well what do you think will be one of those ideas? Or if you have more than one, just throw it out. You wanna go first, Lisa? Sure. Um, I think extending the ladder begins with opening up the opportunities to, to everybody. So understanding that, you know, one of the things that we have in our business right now is our manager aspires to open her own brewery. And I said, I will teach you all the way. I'll coach you from, from beginning to end if you want me to, uh, even though it means you're going to leave my business. I think the intent is if somebody is, is seeking that and they want to jump into that opportunity, male or female, I want to be there to, to help coach them along the way um, and let them know that it doesn't, it, there is no gender around aspirations. Excellent. That's really good. I'm really glad that she has you uh, as a guide because it is it is very important, like Lauren said, have had um, a different role model. Things would have been in a different way. So good. 
Lauren. Oh. Um, so as far as what we should do as industry leaders, individuals differently, I feel like we all acknowledge we live in this kind of poopy construct where we're not really as equal as we feel like we should be, where we experience, where our experiences are just very different and kind of influenced by this construct that I personally feel like is non-representative of the workspace and the life that I want to live. So what I think we should do as individuals is act and be as courageous and as vulnerable and as confident as we can and show industry what a better construct looks like, what a more um, inclusive and diverse workplace actually looks like. And it, it, it requires a whole lot of courage because we're saying that maybe the system isn't right. Maybe we need to, to do something differently. And Lisa knows when you're in a, an established industry, that is pretty darn tootin' hard. <laughs> so, but I, I feel so very passionately about this that individuals, we, we know what's good, what's bad, and, and how we want our workplace and our lives to be. And, and uh, yeah, I just think we shouldn't wait for, for someone to tell us what that new construct should look like. We should every day be trying to be as, as honest and authentic with our voices as we can. To, to make it a better place. That's awesome. You remind me of the last uh, the last interview that I did, and I asked her like, "You have kids, so tell me what do you do?" Well, we have one. You have one kid. She has like, actually one um, a, bo uh, a boy. And I asked her, "Well, what are you teaching your boy that it is, you know, helping this movement?" And then that. It is, you know, along with the lines that we are talking and there is still things to work to do, although uh, the model is there, there's still things that society and, but as you said, just because we have that desire, the wanting for, for the next generations uh, to be better and to not have as much a struggle, um, it moves a lot uh, on 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 a lot of, of things. And one of the tips that she gave us is just like you have, you know, the active uh, break or the health and safety meetings, or you go to the beach and clean the beach uh, in one of those days for health and safety in your companies. We can have some of those tools, like one day talking about inclusion and what it means to have a real inclusive workplace. And then, so start to bring in awareness and talking about it and then having spaces where people feel okay talking. Um, and that I found that really interesting because it is something very simple that we can definitely uh, tackle down very easily and then start the conversation. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So what are your your messages for the audience? Like let's say we've talked about uh, what took uh, for you guys and it seems like it wasn't easy and it's still not easy, but it's 
I guess it's easier than it was before, I'm hoping. And um, and then finding that way out, for example, for Lisa, was a way for you to find your the place you you feel like you should be at and then your passion and and then for Lauren finding your voice which is a constant you know that's why my company is called infinity Groups because you learn all the time and then you're evolving and then changing and you're not the same person because this is this is what it is it is an evolution so it takes all that it takes um courage and it it is good that you don't have like Lisa said at the beginning you don't have to just set in stone something and then just strictly work on it it's being flexible enough to redefine your path following your passion following your voice so and we have talked about many things um, along those lines what will be something that you would like to tell people that are listening or that will listen after. Lauren, you want to go first? OK, <laughs> uh, so I would say um, very similar to kind of the message that you had is that be kind to yourself. Yourself life is a journey. Um, you will make mistakes. You will err. It happens. Um, and especially if you're trying to um, live the life you want to live, be confident, be be um, vulnerable, uh, be courageous. That kind of attitude is in a stifling environment can be very draining and exhausting. And if you're not careful, can can really affect you um, deeply on a mental state. And I am a prime example of that. I, for the last few years, I've been trying to really walk the walk, be that authentic voice at work. And and I, I think I've done really successful, but it has taken its toll. And I've, I'm currently needing to take some time away from work to work on some on mental health issues. And when I return to the workforce, I 100% am going to be as vulnerable and as compassionate and courageous and capable as I'm possibly going to be but hopefully with a better set of tools. <laughs> but I think it's so important and I would say like, yeah, like journeys are hard and long and twist and turn and bend and pivot. It happens. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. It is, like you said, vulnerability is something that as well is a taboo and is sometimes uh, not well received and and depending on who's your audience or who you're talking to, it is like, oh, wow, it's, she said she's not good. Like, yeah, let her alone or something like that. So it is definitely um, a lesson and then something that I have learned on, on myself as well. And I think we all have had, unfortunately, gone through this is either you listen to your body or your body makes you listen to it. Mm -hmm. And so, we always like push and push and push and push and then push some more. <laughs> so. And then sometimes being the last priority is not the wisest decision because then you're not 100%. Um, and I, I think I told you um, before both of you, uh, 
for me, health is more important than life. Like you, you're dead and then you're gone and then that's it. But you're ill and then a whole lot of things are raveling around you and then people that love you are suffering and you are suffering. And unfortunately, as much as people love you and then as much as I can, wa I want to be compassionate about how you're feeling and then I can empathize and I can put myself in your shoes. The only one that is having that hurt is you. Mm -hmm. So either you take care of yourself or you take care of yourself. There is no choice. There is no alternative, yeah. There is no choice. And then, as, as I told you before, there is no one that is going to cure you or uh, get you a magical. I wish I had a magical wand. And then, you know, I'm called a, uh, yeah, some, some people call me a witch, but that's for a different thing, right? <laughs> but it is, it is so um, important that we learn that lesson and uh, that we really take care of ourselves and we seek help and and we talk and then we normalize the discussion on this is important to talk about. Mm -hmm. Journeys are so messy. I, I think I had this like I don't know, it's fantasy in my head where like when I was younger, you go from A to B to C to D, you know, progressing through life. And gosh, you don't do that, do you? <laughs> well, you do, but then it is not in a line. It is not a straight line. <laughs> yeah. It is just like a... So yeah, be kind to yourself when life's journey takes a turn because it happens to everyone. Absolutely. Lisa, I feel you want to talk. Oh, I always want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you said uh, sometimes people think you're a witch. I think I'm a witch. And and part of that <laughs> comes from I, I, I almost believe that the minute we start to put something out into the universe, we um, we we start to make it happen. And I've seen it happen over and over and over where the minute it becomes it comes out of my mouth it becomes something that we're moving toward um so you know i think if i were to give any kind of advice i guess for me it would be uh, looking for opportunities in absolutely everything that happens because all of the good things of course have opportunities that we know are limitless but the the bad things have opportunities in them too and that opportunity for growth only comes from some of those toughest moments. Uh, I think about, you know, starting my business six months before COVID shut us down. <clears throat> Let me tell you what that was like. Mm -hmm. But really, essentially, uh, there were so many blessings that came out of that experience, but you don't see it while you're in the thick of it. And sometimes you have to reflect on it and go back and go, okay, what can I pull from that experience? And how did it help me, my business, my my life, my perspective, all of those things? Um, so yeah, my my best advice would be looking for the opportunity and all the things that challenge us, uh, because there's something we've grown somehow, 
And we just have to look at it and go, oh, okay, thank goodness that happened because otherwise we could get down a path that that's really a lot more negative and, and difficult to, to pull ourselves out of. Absolutely. So you're a great manifestator. <laughs> For one. I'm nonsense is what I am. <laughs> But then absolutely it is, um, and, and I think I told this uh, to Lauren and I, I might have already put it in the LinkedIn uh, invitation for this interview. Life is beautiful and life is hard and one doesn't cancel the other. But then it's the learnings that you take along the lines that will push you forward. And then sometimes we don't understand why things happen, why things why did you get laid off? Why you broke up with that person that you loved so much? Why so-and-so died? Why there was this and that disappointment? Why you got laid off? And then it brings up a whole lot of new worlds uh, that would have not happened if your hands are full. You know, and I, I say to my, my kid normally, if you get a toy, then you have to let go one other toy. Like, you know, you kind of, if you have your hands full, you cannot take some more. So in order to get new things, then you need to let go. And you don't, this apply for everything, really. Is What are you letting go in order to make your growth? Like, do you want to have that, you know, six-pack ab? And then so you need to go to the gym, right? Stop drinking drinking coke or whatever it is you have to let go and then make commitments and then um open for for new things to come in perfect well you guys i think we are at um at the time right now any last comments any last minute uh discussions we have had so much fun thank you so much for coming but you have something else uh only that i love the opportunity to get to participate in this i think this entire endeavor that it is so beautiful and so amazing and i'm so excited that i got to be a part of it thank you it was my pleasure having you yeah, there's nothing like being in a room of powerful, uh, intelligent women and having a good conversation. So I am very grateful to be a part of it as well. Well, the pleasure is mine and then you can come anytime and uh, we'll have another super nice chat and then we'll record it and then we'll call ourselves witches and then people will laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, you guys have an excellent evening and then um, happy Merry Christmas to you and your families. Have lots of fun. Take care of yourselves. Take some time for, you know, be peaceful and unwind uh, the crazy year. And then we look forward to 2023. And the next interview will be around the 10th of January. And I hope you subscribe to the the channel. Now I look like my son is subscribed in the link below. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really my pleasure to have this opportunity. And thank you guys so much for being here. No, thank you. Okay.
Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye-bye.